1: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I'm just sitting here broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studios. Use promo code Overtime in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time, customers only. So my prediction wasn't that far off. Broncos squeaked out six months. It actually, I remember at one point it was 24 to 10. And I'm thinking if the Packers defense can hold them to 10 and score one more touchdown... I'm exactly correct in my prediction. Now, the Broncos squeaked out six more and the Packers only got a field goal, but whatever. Pretty close to my 31-10 prediction. The team at this particular point in time isn't perfect, but it is, it is pretty difficult at this point to complain about stuff. And I know there is still one big glaring concern, but I, I, to me, I'm still seeing some progress. Obviously, I don't think anyone's going to complain about the defense. There is still concern about the offense, and particularly Aaron Rodgers. Now, I don't... I I feel like today in particular, I need to be cautious before I, you know, until I go back and actually watch it again. Because even looking at the stats, it's like, I don't remember that. But let me just say this. The offense against the Chicago Bears only mustered 10 points. In Week 2, they only really scored technically two quarters, but really it was just one quarter and it kind of spilled over into the second. It was three series in a row and then they just completely died out. In week three against the Denver Broncos, they scored in every single quarter. They're also scoring more points every single week. So things are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but they're pretty good. So I want to uh, recap a little bit of the game, get into some of the thoughts and some of the stats. And then uh, because we're on a short week, I also want to take some time right away and look at who won and lost yesterday and see what uh, some of the implications of that may be. But anyways, let's take a break and we'll get back into it. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So, first and foremost, the biggest concern that I'm seeing, the, the most as far as messages I got, and I read some comments in the Facebook group, the biggest concern people seem to have right now is Aaron Rodgers. I've definitely seen worse performances in my life. 17 of 29, 235 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. That's kind of not good, not great, right? But not bad. But Aaron Rodgers had something to say about that, and I'll play that for you right now.
0: I can't say it's been real flashy yet on the offensive side of the ball, but uh, I do feel good about the way we're progressing, and, um, you know, very positive to be up here again, you know, 3-0 and uh, with... Still haven't played a 60-minute game on offense yet where we're, you know, kind of clicking the entire game. Uh, now, we've played three, obviously, good defenses and good coordinators, but that's the NFL these days. So, we, we you know, we don't have any excuses. We just got to, you know, be a little more consistent. Um, and I'm, you know, excited that you you say that and you're also 3-0. I want to play better. I want to score more points. I mean, obviously, you'd love having the defense, but... I don't take any satisfaction in, you know, having a oh you know okay performance and no I want to have uh, greatness out there.
1: This is somewhat of a common theme for the Packers right now. Uh, Devonte said something very similar and really what it echoed was what I had said yesterday. Devonte's quote was "We just got to stop the lulls and lock in and make sure we continue to put our foot on their throat." He goes on to say. That's what separates. I look up and see the Patriots 30 to nothing week after week, and I want to get back to doing stuff like that. That's that's exactly what I said yesterday, right? I mean, it's, the defense is doing great. The offense is getting better, and that's cool, and there's time because they're 3-0 and right now. But Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense is not playing well enough to beat the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Rams, et cetera, et cetera. You know, clearly, you know, any given Sunday, right? You you can win. Okay, what eight or uh, two out of ten, one out of ten times. But in general, I mean, the team's just not good enough. But they've been good enough to get to three and zero, which is where we're at right now. And that's the only thing we can do is take solace in the fact that they're getting better and they have the weapons. As I said yesterday, they have the weapons. They have the ability to get to that level, to get to that point. That's putting up thirty to nothing type numbers. And really, you know, it's almost silly that he said that in a way. Because the nothing part is on the defense. The 30 part, they were only three points away from 30. I mean, you figure they scored 10, they scored 21, they scored 27, and you could maybe argue that the defenses have gotten progressively easier. I don't know, but I, you know, it doesn't seem like they're too far off from getting a 30 banger. But also, like Aaron Rodgers, there's no excuses for, while well, those are tough defenses. Again, as I said, the Eagles' defense is not going to be easy. The Cowboys' defense is not going to be easy. Dallas or excuse me the, the Detroit Lions nah. Lions and Raiders maybe a little bit but you know if it's just a matter of we need to go up against simple defenses we have a shot because our offense is struggling again as, as Roger says it's not good enough they have to be able to overcome these defenses and, and put up more points but to my point and there there are some specific instances in which it has nothing to do with the defense it's just an offensive failure but Nearly 30 points against the Denver Broncos defense and Vic Fangio that knows the Packers offense very well. It's not that bad. Uh, Moving down the line, looking at some of the rushing stats, this was also pretty shocking. Jamal Williams had a good day. 12 carries, 59 yards, 4.9 average. The real big shocker here, Aaron Jones, 10 carries, which is less than 12, 19 yards, 1.9 average. Now He had two touchdowns, which is huge, and it feels like these should be the exact opposite stats. Right, Aaron Jones is getting all the yards, Jamal Williams gets very little yards, but he's banging in some touchdowns at the No, it's the exact opposite. It's so weird. So again, the, the memory is, yeah, I don't remember it being that bad. The only thing that I can say, and this is going to be what I'll say for now until I can get confirmation on it, is that as the announcers are saying, which is what Vic Fangio said, they want to take away the run. And Aaron Jones seems to be playing ball a little bit more with the outside zone and the Denver Broncos' defense just sold out, right? When they start stretching to the outside, the defense crashed down and there was nowhere to go. Jamal was a little bit more, I'm just going straight up the middle and I'm going to grab five yards. So it kind of seemed like they were running two different styles, and the really quick up the middle to grab three, four, five yards right away was a little bit more successful than the Aaron Jones try to stretch it to the outside thing. Don't know that that was 100% the case. I know it was definitely the case on some instances, But uh, I'll follow up on that one. Receiving, Marquez had the biggest day. Six receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets. Devontae, four receptions, 56 yards on four targets. Uh, Jamal Williams had uh, two targets, two receptions, 27 yards. Danny Vitale finally on the board here. He had a 27-yard reception, nearly got a touchdown on that one. That was fantastic to see. Mercedes had his one catch for 19 yards. Aaron Jones had one for four, Tanyan had one for four, Geronimo only one catch for negative one yards. Not a great day. I do know Aaron Rodgers really had some pretty terrible passes. I think one of them was to Geronimo, he airmailed it, and I remember at least one other that was just a terrible pass. I think it was just in the dirt to a wide-open guy, I don't know. But those are the things that get to be a little bit more concerning than anything, is is just the simple passes. I mean, you got a simple pass right in front of you. I mean, the Geronimo one maybe wasn't as simple, Um, the one that was off to the sideline that I'm recalling was was pretty horrible. Those are the ones that kind of make you nervous about your uh, elite freakish so-called quarterback because you feel like at least that stuff shouldn't happen. Uh, Flipping over to the defense. Defense definitely won the day. Blake Martinez, I was reading over what PFF had to say about the recap. Blake hasn't had a great couple weeks, but they were really impressed with what he was able to do, which shocked me considering how much they ran the ball against us, but they were impressed. He did have Eight tackles and two tackles for a loss. Amos, in my opinion, looked like an animal. Um, Obviously, I didn't see him every single play, but he's just one of those guys, when you see him, it's a good time, right? You're just feeling good about life. Uh, Kevin King, I do not think had a very good day. I don't know, but he didn't register anything that I could see. I didn't see any pass deflections or anything, and I did see several times guys were open against Kevin King. Jair uh, registered two pass deflections and obviously got that turnover. Darnell Savage had a pass deflection and a pick. Preston was the star of the day with uh, three sacks, which is just ridiculous. I was actually surprised because I, I, I don't know. It was, it was also jumbled. I saw he had three. I was like, holy cow, I didn't know it was three. But uh, three sacks, a forced fumble, two tackles for a loss, absolute monster. Zadarius got himself two sacks and two tackles for a loss. For sh- well, the tackles for a loss. Is, was it, does that does Do you count a sack as a tackle for a loss? That would be... Kind of silly in my opinion, but I guess technically it is. Rashawn Gary also got his first sack. Um, if, if my memory serves, it wasn't the most impressive sack in the world, but a sack is a sack. Um, you might be able to chalk that up to a covered sack, but still he had the, the speed to chase him down from behind. He got his guy. Just throw it up on the scoreboard. Mason Crosby, 2 of 3. Longest was 42 yards, 3 for 3 on extra points. J.K. Scott, once again, just hero of the day. Four punts. His average, his average was 53 yards. Three of his four kicks were inside the 20, which is crazy. And his longest, drum roll please, 66 yards. I swear I watched that recap and you can just see J.K. Scott looking like he was shocked after the ball came off his foot. Like, what just happened? This is the only time I can honestly say that I really wish the whole team was mic'd up and I can listen to them after that kick. Or even, you know, during the kick. I just want to know what people are thinking or saying. Like, what did Rodgers say when he watched that? Like, what? what? <laughs> but you definitely know it's a good punt when the uh, the punt returner just gets on his horse and starts sprinting backwards as fast as he possibly can to go get the ball. And unfortunately for us, rather than just letting it bounce into the end zone, he went and grabbed it. And so uh, it even looked better for J.K. Scott in his stats. Um, as far as around the league, the Rams won. Dallas won. The Falcons, who I mentioned probably aren't much of a threat, did lose, which kind of proves my point a bit. The uh, Baltimore Ravens weren't quite able to take out the Chiefs again. That doesn't really matter for us, but, you know, I don't know. Kind of like to be able to see a little bit going on there as far as hope that somebody can beat them. Minnesota Vikings trounced the Raiders, which is good and bad. And a lot of this is going to be good and bad. On one hand, you're looking at it and you're saying, shoot because we're we're only up a game on the on the Minnesota Vikings and you want to start pulling away on the other hand two notes number one we face the Oakland Raiders so that's cool number two we don't really know how good the Bears and the Vikings are did we beat the Bears and, and Vikings and Broncos who are three garbage teams or did we beat some real serious contenders playoff contenders Super Bowl contenders the Vikings beating the Oakland Raiders 34-14 to 14 makes it seem as though maybe this is a pretty legit crew. So, again, of course I want the Vikings to lose, but this really is confirmation, you know, not that good teams can't have bad days, but it, it feels good that, you know what, maybe this is a really good team that we beat. And again, also, we do face the Oakland Raiders, you don't want to see some kind of surprise. I mean, if it was reversed and Oakland won 34-14, to 14, it would be good that the Vikings lost, But I would have the exact opposite thoughts, like, oh, shoot, the Vikings are trash, and maybe the Oakland Raiders are legit, so, you know. Uh, New England won, obviously, nobody cares, moving on. Detroit beat Philly, and that's kind of a similar situation for us. It's not to the same degree, and I don't know that I'm super worried about the Lions catching us from behind anyways, although they do stay second in the division, which is hilarious and probably super frustrating for the Vikings. But it also kind of goes to show, again, Philadelphia, who are playing on Thursday, at the very least, they're beatable. And Detroit beat them at home. You know, so Philly had to go on the road to play Detroit short week. they got to be on the road again to play Green Bay. Nothing is for certain. But uh, Philadelphia hasn't exactly been elite, elite, elite. And we'll talk more about it when the, when we get to that point. But they've been winning, but kind of, you know, they look bad at first, and then they come back and win, and just kind of kind of iffy. So th- this was kind of another one where, of course, you want Detroit to lose. However, Philly could be a legit contender, whereas Detroit isn't, so that, that kind of works to our benefit to have them um, lose a game. And then, again, on top of that, you want to know that this team you're going up against is kind of beatable, and that kind of makes me feel a little bit better about it. And even though, you know, like Rodgers and Devontae all said, well, we want to get to the point where we can beat the Super Bowl contender. That's cool. But how about week four we just focus on, hopefully they're not very good, so we can just squeak out a win. Because it's pretty evident that this offense isn't just going to turn on a dime. This is a slow progression. I don't know what needs to happen. Do I have some concern about Rodgers? Yeah, a little bit. Do I think he's just completely fallen off a cliff? No. We still see some really impressive throws and decisions and all kinds of stuff. He, he still does that. It's just some not great decisions and some things that need to get worked out on the offense. We're slowly getting there. If the defense can keep humming the way it is and the offense can just continually make little strides, hopefully by the time we get to the end of the season, and really what it comes down to is win enough games. The, the regular season is just win enough games. And then by the time you get into the postseason, at this point, it's like, all right, now we need to be legitimately very good. That really is the main thing here. At this point, it really is just about wins and staying healthy are the two most important things. Looking good matters in the postseason. Well, technically, wins just matter there, too. But you're going to have to actually be good, because you have to basically run the table against the best teams in the NFL. The whole, hopefully we can get lucky for four straight games or whatever, that's just not a great strategy. At this point, though, I'll take a little bit of luck, and Philly being being not peak Philly I'm okay with it uh Carolina beat Arizona kind of horse a piece on that one I do think that Carolina of the two teams has more potential of being a contender and and you know so I was kind of leaning for Arizona to win that game but it is what it is the Giants led a pretty massive comeback win against Tampa that was something I said we really need to keep our eye on for two reasons number one the Giants are an NFC team number two we have to play the Giants and I know Tampa Bay isn't the top competition in the world, and seeing Tampa Bay score 31 points against that really terrible defense is pretty solid, and I doubt the Giants are going to put up those many points. Plus, high ankle sprain for Saquon. I'm not sure. That's, that can be some significant time out. We'll have to see what happens. If Saquon's not in, I'm just genuinely not super worried um, because really it, it's just a, a rookie quarterback and, and and not a lot else. But, you know, it's just something to monitor. If he really is a legit, scary piece, which we don't know yet. But if he is, it becomes not so much of a guarantee anymore. Um, the New Orleans Saints beat Seattle, which I don't really know what to think of that. I feel as though I, I, you know, I don't know exactly how that all materialized. Let me just look at it really quick. I'm curious. All right, so it was all Bridgewater, 19 to 27, 177 yards, two touchdowns. Kamara, 69 a touchdown. It doesn't seem like that much. How did they get so many points? Was it defense or what? No, I don't know. not sure I'm counting three touchdowns and if my math is correct that gets you 21 points we're still short by 12 is that all field goals Will Lutz had zero field goals (laughs) what I don't know whatever Saints won which I can't you know similar thing tend to think that's good news because I kind of think Seattle's a little bit more contender without Drew Brees being there but I mean they just won without Drew Brees so I don't know we'll have to see how that goes And San Francisco beat Pittsburgh, Uh, was rooting for Pittsburgh, because San Francisco is an NFC team. However, it should be noted that uh, Pittsburgh does not have their quarterback. They're kind of very much down on their luck, and San Francisco only beat them by four points, so kind of technically a win for San Francisco, but not a very decisive or impressive win for that matter. Anyways, let's take a break, and I want to get to a few questions and comments. I do have a big backlog of questions, but I want to try to keep it relevant to... uh, to the game because we're talking about the game. So take a break. We'll be right back. So the first question I got um, was at 8.44 p.m., so this wasn't like at halftime or whatever, an overreaction type thing, which sometimes it happens in the Facebook group, and that's kind of funny. Somebody lashes out, and then the Packers dominate, and it's like, well, all right, now I'm going to take a beating. But he says, really hope you can shed some light on Aaron. Does he still have it, or did McCarthy do too much damage and waste his prime? I thought one of the really interesting and slightly scary quotes was from Vic Fangio, who apparently said something to the effect of, I don't think they're really running a different scheme. It looks like the same offense that they ran under McCarthy. Considering the entire point of getting rid of McCarthy, maybe it wasn't the entire point, but it was part of the point at least, was that the offensive scheme is not what's working. Now, I don't want to go down conspiracy theory lane, especially considering there's been so much nonsense about this, but let's just talk about it for a second. As somebody that you can trust is not trying to just absolutely... Um, you know, derail the team or, or anything like that. But there, there were conversations between Rodgers and Lafleur, and there was Lafleur's system and the the Shanahan, it's not even Lafleur. It's the, it's the Shanahan scheme on one hand, and then McC- Rodgers and what he does best on the other hand, and these two had conversations and came to an agreement roughly on how to blend these things together. I think week one we saw a lot of the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur type offense, right? We saw a good amount of that, at least for the first half or whatever, but you know, the, the whole misdirection motion stuff. It does, however, seem like there's a good bit of run down the field, I'm going to drop back, I'm going to stand here, wait for someone to get open you know, evade this pressure, scramble this way, throw off platform to try to make a pass in that direction or just throw the ball away. And I, I fully acknowledge that you have to do that at, at points and times. And, and I think, you know, last week or, or the week before, they had started talking about how we don't necessarily want to do that. But we got to the point where we needed to start to push pushing the ball down the field or, or whatever it was. I don't know. So if, to me, it was just kind of like, all right, well, I'll, I'll let it slide this time. But – d- d- it's like the outside zone isn't working so we're running it up the middle. The quick passes I think kind of are working, but they're just not doing it a t- it just it doesn't feel like that different of an offense. And it, you know, the scheme isn't really what matters, but at the same time, if <laughs> if you fire Mike McCarthy with the intention of changing the way the offense operates and you come in and you decide that hey, the way Aaron Rodgers likes to do things is kind of the way we think it should work out because of this out of the other. And then you do it, and it's still not really working. And I'm not saying definitively this is what's happening, but if it is, you kind of got to get to the point as the head coach where you say, you know, I appreciate that you like to play this kind of way, but I'm here for a reason. And if we want to get this offense looking better and scoring a bunch of points, it's not going to be because we launch 45-yard passes to MVS all day long. We're going to have to work the shorter passes somewhat. And again, they're, they're, the teams are probably trying to take that away. They understand what Matt LaFleur wants to do. They know he wants to run the ball a lot. They know they want to do these misdirection, dump-off passes, quick-screen passes, all that kind of stuff. And they're going to try to take it away. And the way that you counter that is you go right over their head. Again, I'm not watching. I have not seen a replay of, of what exactly happened. But it would be it would make sense that that's kind of how that works. However, again, you get into a situation where why is it that I, you, think, you think teams don't know what the Patriots want to do? How many times can they run a quick slant and and get 15 yards? Literally every play, that's what they're doing. And it works, and he grabs it and he runs for 10, 15 yards. You know what they're going to do, but you just can't stop it. And so it's, I don't know. Again, I don't think things are that bad. I, I think already the offense looks a little bit more competent than it did under McCarthy in that I just have a little bit more confidence in it. It's not perfect. Um... But I've still got that McCarthy lack of trust kind of deep in my gut. And so, you know, I come out here thinking, oh, they're not going to be able to do anything. And then they convert a first down or they get a big play to MVS or whatever. And it's like, oh, wow, how about that? They're still moving. Um, but, you know, directly to your question, is there is there some kind of just damage that was done? I, I don't know because he's just kind of playing the play that's in front of him. As far as the errant passes, I don't think that's a Mc- that's a McCarthy issue. I don't think he did that to him. But is he stuck with these these kind of plays that he just can't get out of his head? You know, I, I was stunned to hear him continue to say the same mantra he was saying with McCarthy. We got to get, you know, get the ball deep. We got to get the ball to Devante." That's all he ever said at the podium last year. Well, we got to get the ball more to Devontae and we got to start getting some bigger chunk plays. No, you don't, man. You got to start getting first downs. I mean, our last two opponents, What they just, what do they have, like 19 play drives all the way down the field? They're just running the ball over and over and over again? Not that that's necessarily our, our calling card, but if we can get five-yard plays and three and four or five-yard passes, why don't we just do it? Like I said before, there's no reason, there's no crime or, or you don't get penalized for keeping the other team's offense off the field and keeping their defense on the field. That's, it's not against the rules. We don't have to have, like, two big chunk plays for a touchdown and then rush our defense back on the field. It doesn't have to go that way. There's nothing wrong with long, sustained drives. So, I don't know. The The, the general thought here is I'm a little bit surprised that things don't look a little bit more drastically different, although things do look different. You know, a big 27-yard pass to a fullback is, is a little surprising. He is hitting more checkdowns. You know, that quick throw to, to Mercedes was impressive as much as it shouldn't have been. He probably could have got it to him sooner. But I just feel like that's one of those things he's just not going to do last year. He's either going to scramble or he's just going to end up throwing that ball away with a guy literally standing right in front of him saying, please just throw me the ball. So anyways, turning to the Facebook group now. Again, I know some of you had no intention of this being on the podcast, but uh, you signed the waiver, man. No, there's no waiver. Just I just steal your stuff sometimes. But uh, Mark says, I think we can all agree Gutekunst is great at free agency in the draft. That is that is the biggest relief. and And really... It's, it's maybe not talked about quite enough. If we're going to have sustained success, as much as we look at it and say, well, we got to win now and we got to do it while Rodgers is here, the level of confidence we can have in this team after Gutekunst, again, we're talking about a couple years. He comes in, he has one draft. Granted, the, the uh, 2018 draft is still kind of up in the air. Jair's a freak, but outside of that, we've we got to kind of wait and see a little bit. At this point, I would say his second best pick would be J.K. Scott in the fifth round. (laughs) I mean, Marquez is solid, man. But Josh Jackson in the second round, Oren Burks in the third, J. in the fourth. Cole Madison, maybe. He looks like he could be pretty legit in the fifth. The fifth round, he just nailed. Cole Madison, J.K. Scott, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling. Boom. Killed that fifth round. Uh, Sixth round, Equinemius could still be a quality wide receiver. But then you get James Looney, Hunter Bradley, Kendall Donerson, although... Hunter seems to be the guy. I haven't heard any negative things. As long as you don't hear anything about Hunter Bradley, things are going well. So maybe that was also a pretty good pick. Definitely no complaints. But then you follow that up with Rashawn, um, work in progress, but seems to be solid. Darnell Savage, you know, trading up to get him. They, they they knew what they had in him. You almost wonder if if there was some talk about Darnell going at uh at twelve. I mean, they may have had a couple players ahead of you know ahead of him, but I'm guessing. Maybe if Rashawn and if one or two other people are gone, they're just going to take Darnell, and it becomes a big shock. But anyways, you know, because, again, they gave up a lot to go get him, and they wanted to make sure that they got him. Uh, Jace, we don't know yet. Kingsley, uh, you know, he's another work in progress. Kadar's waiting in the wings. Um, Dexter, a lot of these guys are still kind of working their way up. Ty, you know. But I don't think there's anybody we're looking at, at least for this year quite yet, and maybe it's just because it's too early, but we haven't looked, there's nobody we're looking at it going, this was a mistake. We shouldn't have got that guy. And that includes seventh round Ty Summer, sixth round Dexter, sixth round Kadar, right? Even the later round guys, it's like, eh, they might contribute. But then on top of that, you look at free agency. And again, the the biggest thing here is confidence that we're going to keep building. The team just continually gets better. Now, when you lose Aaron Rodgers, there's a good chance that the team completely falls apart. However, Let's give him a chance. And really, considering his play right now, and I'm, I'm not trying to be negative. I, I, I believe, you know, he's got an incredible arm. He's got an incredible mind and all this stuff. But there's a lot of quarterbacks that can play up to the level that Aaron Rodgers is currently playing. If we're talking about just a quarterback that we need, especially if we get this scheme thing going and if we can improve the offense, it kind of turns it into an offense. You know, you look at Jared Goff. He's a talented guy. But it, it's kind of just laid out for him. He's got some real good wide receivers, good offensive line, good running back. You know, Your job is to be a manager. So, I mean, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I, I do think having a good GM is one of the most important things a team can have. It's one of the least, uh, most underrated aspects of a team. You know, the Patriots, great GM. The Browns, great GM. They don't look great right now, but, I mean, come on. Look at the, the massive turnover they've had in, a, in three years. But again, even even if it doesn't happen this year, there's reason for confidence, and there's reason to believe that things are going to get, you know. And it, it it's also good because there are other teams. You know, you look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a really good team because of what their GM, who is no longer there, built. The guy who built all that stuff and, and, and the head coach is the other really important aspect. A good GM and head coach combination is is massively important. You look at Kansas City. Their GM is gone. That's not to say they're never going to have another good draft pick, but when you have a guy that built that roster, who then leaves and goes to Cleveland, and you see Cleveland just doing kind of awesome. I mean, just, just look at what, what John Dorsey did for this team. He got there in 2013. His first draft, he, his first-round pick is Eric Fisher, elite tackle. His His next pick is in the third round. It's Travis Kelsey. 2014, he gets D4. That took a little while to pay off, but that's a great pick in the first round. 2015 first-round pick, Marcus Peters. 2016 first pick in the second round, Chris Jones, one of the best defensive tackles in the game. He also got Tyreek Hill in the fifth round in that draft. In 2017, his first-round pick is Pat, Ma- Patrick Mahomes. That, that has got to be the greatest track record for first-round. And then the very next year, he goes to Cleveland, and what does he do? Who, what's his first-round pick? It's Baker Mayfield. What happens in 2018 after he leaves? What are the Kansas City Chiefs draft? Breeland speaks. This year, Miko Hardman. I mean, I'm just saying, the Chiefs need to be in win-now mode because I don't know that they're going to be fully stocked up with great players. Having an elite GM, a guy like John Dorsey, and I don't know exactly where we're at with, with, uh, with Brian Gutekunst, but if you look at John Dorsey, again, I, I read some elite players. Those are first-round draft picks or, or first picks. Outside of that, he'd maybe have one out of five or six or seven draft picks. If we can just get Brian Kudekunst to hit on first-round draft picks, that can have a pretty massive impact, especially if we can line up a, um, you know, the, the only other factors are a good head coach and a, in a top-tier quarterback. So far in the first round, he nailed Jair Alexander. Also got a few other pieces sprinkled in there. This year, at the very least, we, we got a pretty good idea that he nailed uh, Darnell Savage. Also an opportunity that they got a second second-round pick in Rashawn Gary. Either way, if we're just asking him to get good first-round picks, I think he's doing well so far. But then, uh, you know, free agency on top of it is just ridiculous, especially since you look at it, and I don't think a lot of people are looking at that saying the Packers... I mean, a lot of people liked what the Packers did because the Packers did stuff, and they added a lot of people. I don't know that a lot of people looked at it and said they added elite pass rushers, including myself. I'm looking at it going... I mean, they really like him. They paid him like they're elite pass rushers. I don't know that that's the case. And I did look at pressure percentage, and I kind of highlighted that and said, look, their their pressure percentage is, is dominant. And if we just add up Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Zedarius Smith, and their pressure percentage, it's higher than Chicago and Minnesota and Detroit. And this was with Mike Daniels mixed in, who's no longer there. But I still think if you do the math, it's arguably one of the best fronts, defensive fronts as far as... Pressure. That seems to be bearing itself out so far. Anyways, Kyle posted something in the group, which is a pretty interesting stat. He said, Today's Darius Smith and Preston Smith combined for five sacks. In 2018, Nick Perry and Clay Matthews combined for five sacks on the entire season. Now, obviously, part of that has to do with just how terrible the group was last year, but that is really incredible. The Packers have right now 12 sacks. 12. They're averaging four sacks a game. What? (laughs) <laughs> what does that even mean? 12 sacks, 18 pass deflections. These are easy ESPN stats. Four interceptions, five forced fumbles, and four fumble recoveries. What? That would be uh, eight turnovers, 12 sacks, 18 pass deflections. I, I don't know, man. I don't even know what to say to that this is a big play defense. I mean, just straight up. I mean, it's, it's a good defense as far as, you know, doing their job and all that kind of stuff, but man, oh man, is this a big play defense as far as sacks, pass deflections, interceptions, you know, fumble recoveries, whatever. Oh, whew, that's, that is ridiculous. I, I don't, I don't, I I don't know. I, I got nothing on that. There's so many things I'd like to cross-reference, like the last time any defense has ever done this in the first three weeks of the season. The last time the Packers have done this in the first three weeks, if ever. I mentioned in 2010 how good the defense was and how I don't necessarily want to say that I think this defense can be as good. At this point in the season, I don't think there's a whole lot of doubt this is a better defense. Now, by the time the season is over, which defense will have been better, this defense or the Packers' 2010 defense? And again, you read those names off, and it almost feels blasphemous to even say that. Because, I mean, we're talking about, you know, the Charles Woodson and and guys that are, you know, Pete Clay Matthews and everything. It's kind of... But, I mean, this this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Are these elite offenses? No. But I will say the Vikings are not a bad offense. They've got one of the better running backs in the NFL, which is bearing itself out this year. I mean, he's just carving up the league. Kirk Cousins is not that bad, as I've said. He was terrible against us. He's not that bad, and they do have one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL. So to say that we've played three bad offenses, nah, I don't think so. Is Trubisky garbage? Yep. Bears offense is bad. Only team in the NFL, I believe, that does not have a touchdown pass yet. We'll see if that changes. They're also one of the few that hasn't played three weeks yet. But if they don't get a touchdown pass this week, just wow. Just to be clear, because I'm looking at 2018 stats, um, first of all, the team combined for 44 sacks on the season they're on pace right now for 64. The whole team last year had seven interceptions. I believe I just said we have eight right now. Well, I guess that's not fair. Those are just just interceptions. The Packers have four, but they're on pace for 21 interceptions and 21 fumble recoveries. Also on pace for 96 pass deflections. Last year, the team had 59. Wow, that's something. That sure is something. Last year, the Packers had seven interceptions, eight fumble recoveries. They've gotten to the 50% mark, halfway there, three games in. A little more than a quarter of the way to the sack total for last year. It's a good defense, man. Nathan says we're officially going to name the defense the Wolf Pack. I don't mind that. It's kind of getting away from the whole punny thing, you know? Like, well, it's got to be something to do with, like, cold or cheese or cows or something. Except none of those things are kind of awesome, so maybe not. But I like it. it. It it feels right. Right? That that description I gave of how the defense looks, and, and you know, you just picture the, I it it, it fits. You know, Jair kind of has that wolfiness to him. I don't mind it. I don't know. Leave it up to y'all. Maybe throw together a couple different names. Throw it in the Facebook group. Give me some suggestions. Maybe I'll just post a a, a thing. You guys come up with some names, and then we'll do a poll, and I'll just stick to it, unless you guys come up with a bad decision, in which case I will override you and do whatever I want. Sound fair? All right. By the way, Blaine commented below that Jair reference that, uh, referred to them as a bunch of wild dogs, and Zadarius, after his taunt, was being a dog eating his fill, which I got to be honest, the first part of that, that celebration looked pretty cool, but the eating and and I'm having a baby thing, I mean, I get it, cuz I mean Blaine kind of spelled it out spelled it out but that's kind of the problem. I feel like we're playing charades now. Like I'm a dog and I'm eating and it, my fill. Get it? Like no, I, I I mean just do like the crazy creepy crawly thing, man. That was that was crazy and scary looking. That was awesome. Just do that. Don't don't like, you know, start eating off the ground and then get pregnant. It's just it's I don't know. Just do the first part. But anyways, as Blaine said, they refer to themselves as wild dogs. Maybe we should have something to do with wild dogs, which wolf pack technically a pilot, but, you know, it's dogs. So, again, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Richard says, a bunch of dogs on the Green Bay defense. I feel like there's a theme here, man. I don't know if you guys are just hearing the Packers say it and regurgitate it, or if this is just happening right now. Is this, I mean, is this happening? Is there, are we doing this? I wonder if we can get them to, like, throw up the old wolf pack thing from, uh, what was that, WCW or whatever? That is my last reference for wrestling, by the way. The last time I watched it, that was a thing. Just so you know, it was like the black ones and the red ones. You know, remember those guys? Sometimes they trade teams. Big old controversy. Oh no, it's a red one. I think I like the black ones better, but I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't know. Could maybe, maybe just get him to do the X Pac thing, but that feels a little bit inappropriate. So the the Wolf Pack, maybe just do that. I don't. I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll see what happens. Todd says, raise your hand if you're complaining about Lafleur giving Jamal Williams carries today. Yeah, yeah, probably not too many complaints about that. It is a little upsetting, Um, kind of wanting this, this run game to really take off, because that's sort of a calling card for a lot of these types of offenses, and then the offensive passing game kind of plays off of it, and the Packers just can't run the ball. And as much as I'm impressed with Jamal, it really has more to do with kind of looking at it saying... Aaron, just this isn't this isn't it, and I apologize to everybody that drafted Aaron Roger or Aaron Jones in their uh, fantasy football leagues. I'm glad you got to him before I did because I absolutely wanted to get him on my team. Sucks to be you, and I feel like I'm getting to the point in the Facebook group where things were not going well because people look a lot more angry. So maybe I'll just cut it off here because I don't want to start regressing. Although ending on a uh, picture of J.K. Scott. Hopping around like a goofy-looking gazelle, and Billy just posting a goat picture above him. That's a pretty good way to end it. Me describing a picture to you is how I want to end this podcast. Imagine that you actually spend time listening to this. It's incredible. What are you doing with your life? Get a hobby. Anyways, you folks enjoy your day. Packers are 3-0. and There really isn't anything to complain about. It really isn't. I mean, concern, fine, whatever. But the Packers are finding ways to win. Brand spanking new head coach is cobbling together a 3-0 and Packers team. Brian Gutekunst has built one of the best, if not the best, defenses in the NFL after being not very good for a very long time. Lots and lots and lots of reasons to be excited. And we got football coming up on Thursday. So have yourselves a good day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.